and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. It's time! Let's get it all! Right here we go! Do you want to be a fighter? I got the biggest arms, I got the greatest charm, and I do all the harm. You just shook up the world. How's that feel? Hey, I'm not surprised. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the he wants. Oh my goodness! Unbelievable! It is all over. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Slop Drop. This is Nathan Rogers at Woopig Sumo on Twitter. This is the MMA show, and we are joined by the one and only David Huddleston at Bubba Hud on Twitter. What's up, David? Not a whole lot, man. How's it going? Uh, it's going, man. Uh, Conor McGregor in the news again. Let's start off with that. Footage has emerged of Conor McGregor punching an elderly man reportedly over a dispute about whiskey. Did you see the video of this? Man, I just watched it a little while ago. I've actually I, – I was kind of dumbfounded by it, and – because it looks like he's in a small bar and he's handing out shots of proper 12. And yeah. it looks like the gentleman kind of politely declines and then it just kind of escalates from there. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. Well, I have, I have proper 12 here at the house. It's not bad. But it's nothing to punch an elderly man. Actually, sucker punch an elderly man. The guy was just sitting there. I think he had something in his hand. He couldn't even. He couldn't stand up. He couldn't move. Basically, Connor sucker punched him, and I don't even know how somebody could defend that. Yeah, it's. I'll give props to the older gentleman because he takes he, it like he a took it. He, he acts like it doesn't bother him at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's really no way. I mean, there's going to come a point in time. Connor's made a slew of stupid decisions. Uh, and there's going to come a time where his money just can't bail him out anymore. I have an unhealthy obsession with spending money, but I have a healthy obsession with making it, so it's all good. You know, really, this is probably misdemeanor assault in general, but, you know, there's going to come a time where he just steps even further over the line. The Khabib thing was really, I mean, that's his, you know, ultimate that he's done, but at the same time, you know, how are I don't know how he justifies it. Yeah, then you had the cell phone thing. Uh, you know, he has made a, a crap ton of money, but he keeps paying people off to stay out of trouble. Like you said, I don't know how much money he's got left to go through. Well, it's not even that. It's just there's going to come a time where somebody just, you know what, I'm not going to take the, buy, the buyout. Maybe it's, he yeah. does something to somebody who's already got a lot of and and they don't need it. Well, Anthony Pettis claims he was supposed to fight McGregor uh, before the Nate Diaz fight was finalized, so it would be interesting to see how that would have went. But yeah, the old dude, he he took the punch like a champ. Yeah, he acted like it didn't phase him at all, which was super impressive to me. Um, I mean, it's basically a glorified left jab. You know, he didn't lean into it or anything, but still, for somebody to not know it was coming, I mean, kudos to him. Yeah, speaking of people that uh, seem to be running their mouth a lot lately, Henry Cejudo challenged Valentina Shevchenko to a fight inside the octagon, an intergender MMA fight. She basically says, watch what you wish for. Man, I, I, I don't want to see this crap. 
No, not at all. Uh, the, the real world is, and I realize we're in a very politically correct world these days with the whole, you know, transgender men to women, transgenders competing, you know, in powerlifting or whatever, man, it wouldn't even be competitive. Um, and it's just, it's a genetic difference. Uh, she'd probably be able to hang with him if, as long as he kept it in a boxing match. But I mean, ultimately he's fast. He's a wrestler. He would just take her down and maul her. It wouldn't even be, I mean, if you want to see that stuff, watch an episode of cops. Yeah. I, I don't like to see this in WWE. I dang sure don't want to see it in UFC. Call me old fashioned, but I like to see two dudes fight each other. I don't want to see intergender. I don't want to see transgender. I want to see a, a guy versus a guy and a, a woman versus a woman. Right. Well, and that, that makes for the most level playing field. You know, this isn't, you know, when you get into contact sports, that's where the ultimate, you know, physical difference is really going to shine. This isn't Billie Jean King, you know, hitting tennis balls. <laughs> this, you know, this is getting punched in the face. And ultimately, I mean, it would take some spectacle like this where someone would just get tragically hurt for them to completely rework the MMA rules and, you know, go back more toward the 1990s where it's borderline illegal. Yeah, the thing is, Cejudo's talented. He doesn't need to be saying crap like this or pulling these stunts. Well, his whole shtick lately is just, I'm already tired of it. Uh, he he sounds like a third grader who's been given a microphone. Uh, it, he might have a kid that's writing his lines. I don't know, because it sounds that way. Kind of like Colby Covington. <laughs> I don't know. We may disagree there. Uh, I'm I'm all for the heel roll. But I don't Cejudo's mind the heel just, roll. I think the main problem, but the difference between Cejudo and Covington is Covington embraces the heel role. And so he's okay with being the heel. Cejudo wants to play the heel, but everybody knows he's not a heel. Like it's, it's a complete, and you can just see through his whole thing. You know, Conor McGregor, Chael Sonnen, Colby Covington. Now, obviously Colby has taken it to another level, but those people have just embraced the role. They're okay with being the bad guy. Whereas Cejudo, it's like he reluctantly wants to be the bad guy. He wants to be in a headline. But he, you know, if you saw him out and about, you just feel like he's probably actually a, a nice dude. Well, I love the heel row. Uh, it, it sells tickets. It gets you invested in fights. But Kobe's comments about Matt Hughes a few weeks ago, I thought, kind of crossed the line. Hey, let's talk about the lesson we learned tonight. It's a strong lesson that Robbie should have learned from his good buddy, Matt Hughes. You stay off the tracks when the train's coming through, Junior. Don't matter if it's a Trump train or the Kobe train. Get out the way. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on it definitely being there. Uh, now, I've actually saw interviews where they say that Dan Lambert, who owns AT&T, which is where Kobe trains at, is actually really good friends with Matt Hughes. So the thought is that Kobe probably actually ran that line by Matt Hughes before he said it. Um, or Dan Lambert might have mentioned it or whatever because – Really, I mean, Matt Hughes hasn't came out and said anything negatively about it or anything no. like that. And I feel like if it had been something that he didn't know was coming, then it would have been a lot more of a debacle. Yeah, of course, Covington and uh, Dan Lambert both have pro wrestling ties and backgrounds. So we kind of right. see that come out. Well, and, you know, Colby's really close friends with Chael Sonnen. And, you know, Chael really kind of started this whole the entertainment era for MMA. But. You know, man, he's really – he's pushed it. You know, Connor did more of the physical aspects, you know, with the physical heel roll, you know, the whole Khabib bus incident. But Colby's just all – the talk never stops, and it's just like he pushes it a little further and a little further and a little further. Yeah. And I also just don't know how I feel about, like, his 
posts on like Instagram and stuff where he's always with like strippers and whatever. <laughs> I'm like, man, dude, at some point you're just trying too hard. Well, he ran right through Robbie Lawler. That kind of surprised me, to be honest with you. Man, it was beating. It was uh, he was swinging the sledgehammer the whole time. I mean, he was pressure, pressure, pressure. You know, I think Robbie connected with one good punch right out of the gate, and that was pretty much his whole offense for the whole fight. Apparently, Darren Till wants a shot at Lawler next. Both those guys coming off a loss. That I think that'd actually be a decent fight, uh, but I think I'd give the edge to Lawler. Uh, I think I would give the edge to Lawler just from experience. Um, I'm honestly surprised Till's not moving up to middleweight just because he has such a hard time making 170 anyway, and he is a massive welterweight. Um, so I'm kind of surprised because I had heard in a recent interview somewhere that he was saying that, that was a, he wasn't going back to 170, and now all of a sudden he's okay with it. So I don't know if it's just the matchup stylistically caught his interest, and he was like, yeah, that's one that I would like to do. Um, I did see where he said that Lawler was one of his you know, childhood heroes, so to speak, and yeah. so he, he would really like to fight him. And Till said he was ready to go before Christmas. I just don't know if that'll fit Lawler's timeline, you know, coming off that loss. Well, he and, absorbed like 500 punches, so I don't know. Yeah, it would be it'd be a pretty quick turnaround. But maybe it's one of those things where they put it at the end of December on that New Year's card that they almost always have. And so maybe it's one of those situations where they can uh, they can work that in toward the end of the year, like right at the end of the year. Well, this really doesn't have anything to do with the UFC, but Mike Tyson claims he smokes $40,000 worth of weed a month. <laughs> you know, I felt sorry for Mike Tyson in the 80s and 90s because I always felt like Don King just really just gave him the screw job. You know, he mismanaged his money and, you know, he was bankrupt. And then, of course, all the stuff he did to himself with biting Holyfield's ear and, you know, um, going to prison and everything. But, man, 40000 Uh One, I'm wondering where Tyson makes all this money at. I mean, I know he has a podcast and he did his little roadshow thing where he went and talked. But forty grand a month, that's half a million dollars a year in pot. I think he's got his own marijuana dispensary shop or something like that. So it's well, probably now, where he's getting it. Now, that might be. I actually just talked to somebody the other day who was talking about they were in Vegas. And, of course, it's legal in Nevada now, or at least it is in Las Vegas. And uh, they had actually went – one of their friends had went to a dispensary there and they were talking about, it's like walking into Caesar's palace at this place. So there was glass floors with like koi fish in the floors and these <laughs> big like glass sliding doors. that like let you in when it's your turn. Like you pull a number, like you're at the DMV. So maybe if he owns a big one like that in Vegas, maybe he's just really raking it in. Someone that is, or someone that won't be, uh, Visiting his shop and spending any money is Mike Perry. He fought a, a week or two ago. He claims he's only got six dollars to his name. How does that happen? You know, I just read this, and I feel like Mike Perry might have went to the same uh, financial management classes that Tyson actually did. Um, I read in the interview it said that he paid seventeen thousand dollars in taxes in Uruguay. Okay, well you got to pay taxes where you're working. Then fifteen percent of that goes to his fight team, and the rest of it went to his tax bill from last year. Now, Perry fights pretty frequently, so I would figure any kind of financial management would have him paying taxes as he goes um, instead of just waiting, um, especially in the fight game where you're not really guaranteed your next fight because you could get hurt, you could break a hand, get hurt in training, whatever. So I don't know. I like Mike Perry. He's super entertaining. I, I really liked his last fight. Um, but at the same time, man, at some point he has to start planning for a future as opposed to planning for now. Yeah, it's probably time to uh, find some different management. Especially since, I mean, the, the guy's getting married. 
I think next month is what they said. And so he's getting married, you know, eventually probably going to have a kid. If I was guessing, you know, it's about time that I figure he, he grows up a little bit as far as financial wise, as far as a fighter, the dude's bad man. Uh, he's tough. Uh, that nose at the end of the fight the other night was, was hard to look at a la Brandon Vera when he fought Tiago. Yeah. Yeah. I saw your Twitter. That was great. Who wore it better? Their nose looked like a Z. Yeah. It's between that or like maybe a question mark. It was, yeah. uh, Oh, it's just painful to look at. Painful to look at Aspen lad. I don't know if you saw her last weigh in. She could barely stand up. Uh, California state athletic commission has suspended her license to compete at Bantamweight due to weight-cutting issues until uh, she can get some documentation from a physician saying that it's okay. Well, you know, it's funny they suspended her. Well, not necessarily funny, but she's actually already scheduled for another fight in December in Washington, D.C., and I'm assuming the athletic commissions there will uh, honor the California State Athletic Commission's you know, suspension. I don't think that the UFC will have a problem getting a doctor to sign off on it. Right. It looks like she's actually going to start working with the nutritionist at the UFC PI to manage her weight better because they said that on fight night, so obviously day before the fight, she weighs 135, barely alive. And the next night, right before the fight, she weighed 159. Yeah. That's, I mean, you get into that and it's just, it's so much water cut and, you know, you get into the question, you know, she was knocked out in 16 seconds and how much of that water cut played into that. It's not good for you, man. It's not good for your, your organs. It's just not good for you, period. Yeah, I mean, it's not good for your brain. <laughs> There's all that fluid <laughs> that surrounds your brain that keeps you from getting knocked out um, anymore. You know, everybody's worried about CTE, and it just seems like you figure the UFC, when they see somebody stepping on the scale like that, would just say, you know what, this just isn't going to work, and and completely call it off because it was hard to watch. Yeah. Speaking of not working and calling it off, they have granted Cyborg her release after some bickering back and forth. Uh, I I, I don't think it's a big loss. I think she's on her downhill slope. But it'd be a good pickup from somebody like Bellator or uh, PFL or somebody like that. Yeah, Bellator, one championship seems to be signing a lot of uh, former UFC people. Um, You know, Cyborg, a phenomenal fighter she is. I mean, she got murked um, in that title fight. But at the same time, it's just, like you said, she's getting older. She hasn't really taken a lot of damage over her career because she just absolutely ran through everybody. Right. Uh, but Amanda Nunes put it on her, and I don't think she actually – I do think she wanted it back, but at the same time, I think she's okay if she doesn't get it back. Um, yeah, she, I think I, it, she wanted her release, and like I said, if, if two people aren't – happy with whatever's got going on and you want to part ways and get on them. So I, I think it's a good thing. Just let her go and go about her business. Who knows? She may end up in the WWE one day. Or well, her something. and the UFC have had kind of like a lover's quarrel the whole time. Um, and then she released that doctored video on YouTube. That yeah. she, she supposedly didn't know about where she, you know, in the caption, they're putting words into Dana White's mouth. And that uh, was, yeah, that he wasn't <laughs> saying yeah, and, you know, if you're going to mess with anybody, I would assume Dana White's not the one to do it with. <laughs> yeah, uh, also uh, released Kat Zingano. I was a little surprised by that one. Of course, she I hasn't fought in a while. I was surprised just because she's still competitive, really. Uh, you know, the women's divisions aren't just super deep. And so anytime you get an elite-level competitor, you know, somebody who's been in there with Ronda Rousey and stuff like that, you know, you get these – elite level people. Now she suffered that ACL injury a couple years ago 
And then her last fight, you know, she had went up to 145 and fought Megan Anderson and ended up taking that, you know, toenail off the eye that she couldn't yeah. fight through. And that was that was one of the weirdest injuries I think I've seen. Uh, but I, from what I've seen on the internet, it just seems like she had th- other things she wanted to do besides fighting. It doesn't seem like it was even a fighting issue. She just didn't know when she wanted to fight again, and she asked for a release. Yeah, clip your fingernails and clip your toenails for those out there fighting. Somebody that does need to be released is BJ Penn. He's on a seven-fight losing streak and has been granted another fight against Nick Lentz. You know, I, I, I know I have the skill. I, I know I have a, a lot of things. I, I know I have the fire. Some mornings I wake up uh, and, I, and I, you know, I, I want to just kill everybody. But uh... I mean, <laughs> apparently this is a grudge match from way back <laughs> due to a time when Nick Lentz came out and trained with BJ Penn. Um, so this is supposedly a grudge match. But my understanding is that he was granted this fight with just the understanding that this would be it. Like, and not even yeah. that this would just be it in the UFC. Like, he would be done, done. And, yeah, Dana, Dana said after this when he's done. And I would find it hard to believe that anybody on any major level would sign him. I mean, obviously, he could probably get regional fights wherever. Um, but, you know, any of these major organizations, they don't want a guy who's coming off of that many losses, even with that name. Um, at some point, somebody has to just take care of the guy and say, hey, you know what, this is best for your health. Yeah, that fight's you – know, the date and location's yet to be determined. But something that is uh, – have a date and that has been determined, UFC 241 this weekend. Man, man I'm excited. Uh, I've, I've been anticipating this card ever since it got announced. Um, it's The main card's a little top-heavy uh, because there's a couple of guys that most people aren't too familiar with at the bottom of the card. But, man, those top three fights, the last three of the night are going to be showstoppers. Uh, I think it's starting off. I don't know if it's going to be the first one, but on the on the lower part of the, the main card, Derek Brunson versus Ian Heinish. You never know what Derek Brunson's going to show up, but uh, I think I've got Ian Heinish. Man, I, I think I got Brunson. Uh, you know, I wasn't too familiar. I mean, I've seen Heinish fight, and I had to kind of refresh myself over the last couple of days. Uh, went and watched a couple of – you know, he's a high, he was a decent wrestler, like high school. He does have an interesting story. I don't know if you've seen that where he did some time in prison. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did some uh, drug stuff in a different country. Oh, smuggling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But he does have a kind of a cool story. I think that, you know, Derek Brunson was a collegiate wrestler. I feel like his wrestling will offset Heinish's wrestling. Brunson's level of competition that he's faced is significantly higher uh, Heinish really is – he only has a 46% finish rate, whereas Brunson's a 74. Brunson's fought Israel Adesanya, Anderson Silva, Jacare, uh, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero. He's just fought a different caliber of opponent than Heinish. He has. definitely so, has the uh... – Yeah, I feel like Brunson – I think Brunson gets it done by KO because Heinish is – he shoots in and he tends to get hit on the, when he shoots. And I just feel like Brunson's got too much, too much experience. Featherweight fight, Gabriel Benitez versus Sodiq Yusuf. I'm going to go with the under, underdog again and say Sodiq Yusuf pulls it out. Man, I guess I'm, I'm going to disagree <laughs> one more time. Uh, you know, the Sadiq Yusuf guy, he is something. He, can, he hits hard. He does a big right hand. He throws a lot of leg kicks. He's got good cardio. He's not afraid to stand and trade. You know, his fight on the contender series with Mike Davis was really good. He proved he has a durable chin. 
I think Benitez gets it done by submission. Uh, Benitez has 10 submissions on his record. He's got a good finish rate. I, I just feel like he gets it done on the ground. Here's where the water starts to get murky in the next three fights. Middleweight fight, Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. Whew, I, I've got Yoel Romero, but I can see it going either way. Paulo Costa has not been beat yet, but I think Yoel Romero is probably uh, looking for some, some redemption after his stuff with the uh, Athletic Commission. And uh, I, I think Yoel pulls it off. Uh, is this for the bodybuilding championship in the UFC? Because these guys both uh, look like they're chiseled out of ground. Yeah, I, I hope it doesn't go three rounds because it could get sloppy. I just, well, I don't see it going three rounds. I got Romero by KO. Um, you know, his experience level was really high, too. You know, he's two of his three losses are to Robert Whitaker. You know, there's no shame in losing to Robert Whitaker. Oh, no. Um, his, he has missed weight for his last two bouts, though. So I, I'm interested more to see if he can make weight. Uh, but I guess he really doesn't care since he was just awarded that $27 million tainted supplement lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that he cares. But, you know, Romero's beat Luke Rockhold and Chris Weidman. Machida, I was actually at the last fight with Robert Whitaker last year in Chicago, and that was an amazing fight just to see live. The whole crowd was into it. Former UFC lightweight champion Anthony Showtime Pettis. I want to put on a show for everybody, man. That's all I want to do. Nate Diaz, he's legit in every aspect. I'm a warrior. I'm here to kill and be killed. Welterweight co-main event, Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Nate Diaz. I've gone back and forth on this one. I, I literally think it could go either way because Nate, Nate Diaz has been off for three years. He hasn't fought. Will, will Pettis do some crazy kick off the cage? Will uh, Diaz get the submission? I don't know, but I think Nate Diaz somehow pulls it off. I got Diaz by decision. Um, if he can just avoid the, the big strike from Pettis, um, as far as just straight-up boxing, Diaz probably has the advantage. Anthony Pettis is a little more dynamic. He throws a lot of kicks. You know, you're not going to see a lot of kicks from Nate Diaz. You're just going to see a lot of volume. The last two times Pettis has fought a real volume striker was Tony Ferguson and Max Holloway. Now, obviously, in the Ferguson fight, it was stopped due to, you know, he broke his hand. But, you know, he lost both. Yeah, he got TKO'd by Holloway. I don't think he does real well with guys who can just pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh, sometimes it seems like not necessarily he has a gas tank issue, but overall, you know, when you're getting hit that many times, I feel like his, his body just doesn't, it kind of shuts down a little bit and Nate Diaz just isn't going to stop. Their last memory is him sleeping on the floor of the octagon and me standing on top of him. I want a rematch. I better get it. People want to see this fight that no one can deny. Has something that's mine. Ain't gonna happen again. This time, I not only beat him in the fight, but I ruined him. Main event for the heavyweight title: Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic. I got Cormier, and I, I, I could easily see Stipe. I don't see it going all five rounds, but I think Daniel pulls it off. Man, I got it by decision. Uh, I feel like Stipe has a gas tank and good enough wrestling that, you know, because when Cormier gets people on the ground, he's actually really good with the ground and pound, but then they give themselves up, you know, like Rumble Johnson, and he submits them, whatever. But I think Stipe's wrestling is good enough to keep him off the ground. Um, I feel like Cormier's chin is good enough to keep Stipe from knocking him out. You know, Rumble Johnson hit him about as hard as you could hit somebody with a fist, uh, did that whole backward somersault thing. 
and uh, he didn't knock him out. And I don't think Stipe hits any harder than Rumble Johnson does. No, I, I think maybe Daniel pulls off another KO. You think so? I, I do. I, I think uh, Stipe hasn't fought since that fight, and I don't know how his chin is. I don't know how his uh, mental game is, but DC's on top of the game right now. His jaw is probably pretty weak from all that whining he's done over the last year about <laughs> wanting this rematch. I, I totally respect Stipe as a fighter, and he seems like an overall good dude. You know, I don't know how many people would still be a volunteer firefighter like he is or whatever. But, man, he's just – and he deserved a rematch. He did. But the whole nonstop whining over it and then, you know, oh, when DC decided to take the fight against Derek Lewis, oh, he was whining about that. Um, and then, of course, you know, it came out that DC was going to fight Brock Lesnar, and, oh, he was whining about that. It just seemed like, you know, he's the number one contender in the heavyweight division, but he's also the number one complainer in the heavyweight division at the same time for the last year anyway. I wouldn't be surprised if – Daniel does win this fight if he uh, doesn't retire afterwards. Man, you know, and ultimately, you know, I think DC wins it, but I don't think he'll retire. I think everybody wants the third John Jones fight and they want it to be a heavyweight. Um, but honestly, I feel like John Jones fights the winner. Um, I feel like he'll be talked into it if DC wins, even though he'll, it'll be reluctantly because I don't think he wants to go up and fight DC. But I feel like if Stipe wins, I think that John Jones thinks that's an easy fight because he can fight him at range because Stipe is going to want to box and he can, you know, keep it on the, keep it up on the feet. Cause Stipe, you know, when he fought in Ganu, all he did was take him down and sit on top of him. Uh, that's, that's who I'd like to see John Jones fight Francis and Ganu. I think he would do the same thing Stipe did. I think he'd just take him down. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I wish uh Ngannou would give John Jones the same treatment he gave over him, but uh, I I just don't know, and you know, John Jones has looked human in the last couple of fights. That fight with Tiago Santos, I mean, the dude did it with one leg and still went the distance. Right. But at the same time, it also looked like John was just on coast. He was on autopilot. I feel like he's getting disinterested with certain people. Like it's just not motivating. Uh, I feel like if him and Santos fought again, I feel like it would be a different John Jones because he's got the respect now. But I feel like if he got it again, it would just be pretty much taken straight to the ground, elbows, 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 and be over with. Well, man, to me, this card, this, this whole card, it just makes sense. It feels like some of these fights have been built up for a couple of years, and I think it's the best card of 2019. Yeah, I think the Pettis and Nate Diaz one's going to steal the show. Between that or Romero and Costa, um, you know, it just, to me, either one of those could go. And the DC one, I, I feel like they kind of negate each other a little bit. And so I don't feel like, because DC's a slow starter and stuff like that, whereas I feel like the Nate Diaz-Pettis one's just going to be a barn burner from, from, the first, from the first punch thrown. Yeah. Well, man, I think that about wraps it up. You got anything else? Man, I don't have anything else other than I'm just excited for it. Yeah, uh, hopefully we'll get together next week and talk about the results. And uh, until then, guys, check us out. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Give us a like, give us a share, give us some feedback. Until then, we'll catch you later. Oh!